never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another great day because I've got a new guest. I've got Natalie Feynman with me. And Natalie is a woman who said, you know what, um, we have got this beautiful black box up there. Um, and, you know, it's it's sometimes a little bit of a funny old brain because, you know, it was created a few decades ago. And maybe the operating system in there is maybe no longer so so suitable. Maybe from the word go, there were a few programming errors, uh, either hardwired or maybe laid down in our early childhood. And maybe it's time to update the system. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to actually have an overhaul, a spring clean, so to speak, of the operating system? And I could not agree more because with the amount of tension, of stress, distress, anxiety, all those kind of things, Oh, my goodness, my operating system, it's probably a decent overhaul. So, Natalie, welcome to my show. You might be just the right person to press the right buttons. Maybe Control-Alt-Delete and we restart. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Natalie, Hopefully welcome to we my show. Hopefully we don't have to resort to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, it's Thank a you. Pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, how did you come about uh, becoming the... The IT uh, specialist for the operating <laughs> system up there. <laughs> oh, I don't think anyone's ever called me that before, but I love it. <laughs> well, I it's a long story, but I spent a good 30 years of my life that I refer to as the black hole, um, <laughs> just being on autopilot. You know, I was I, I am and was a veterinarian. I spent 24 years of my career in ER and critical care working nights, weekends, holidays, sleeping maybe three hours a night, um, always stressed out and just really not treating my body or my brain very well mm -hmm. and starting to pay the price for that. Um, so, you know, I realized that the, if the next 30 years of my life were going to look like the previous 30 years of my mm -hmm. life, that that wasn't a very appealing mm -hmm. vision. Mm -hmm. um, so, I really did a lot of soul searching and um, I, I really got very heavily into self-development to the point where I, um, I took advantage of the, um, the disarray that, that COVID brought to everybody's life and one by one as the things that I love to do just kind of went away. Um, I found myself with, uh, you know, I was kind of at a point where I was like, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up? And if I'm going to start to change my future, I need to start now because I was in my fifties. I was running mm. out of some days to wait for, and I just, I decided, okay, now's the time I went to coach training school yeah. and really applied everything that I learned to myself. And so after I graduated from coach training, then I discovered this program called positive intelligence and it was like the owner's manual to the human brain that we don't get, but always wish that we had. And as I got deeper and deeper into the work, I started having so many light bulb moments. Oh my gosh, that's why I do that. Oh my gosh, that's why I react this way when, when A, B, or C happens. And it was amazing to see the level to which I had been sabotaging myself and poisoning my relationships and poisoning my experience of life and blaming everyone and everything and all my circumstances. Uh, 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 uh. 
And finally coming to realize I am creating my own experience in this life. And if I'm not enjoying the experience that I'm having, it's not only my power, but it's my responsibility to do something to change it into the experience that I do want to have. And as I have made so many discoveries about myself and I have transformed the experience that I'm having in this life, I have decided that there's no greater calling than for me to be able to bring this to as many people as possible. <laughs> so that's how I got here. Oh, no, that's beautiful. I mean, Natalie, you're an, uh, as a veterinarian, veterinarian, sorry, um, as a vet, I want to say, but it's go. a bit, yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. that's what we, what we normally say, but, you know, vet and vet, uh, especially with the American uh, veteran systems, uh, I didn't want to mm. confuse things there. Um, the As a veterinarian, uh, I know what you mean. I'm an anesthetist, anesthesiologist in, in the American language. Um, yes, we thrive on on the on being there for others, on the adrenaline. Yes. Were you an adrenaline junkie? Why did you get uh, yeah. into why did you get into that kind of work? I think you have to be an adrenaline junkie to live in the ER for 24 years when the average career life expectancy of a veterinarian in emergency medicine is one to two years. And I stayed there for 24. <laughs> I either have to be an adrenaline junkie or crazy, or maybe both, or maybe I just like torturing myself. <laughs> I haven't mm -hmm. decided probably an equal mix of all of the above. Mm -hmm. um, but number one, I was nocturnal ever since I was a little kid and it, it was funny because my parents constantly told me, you better get used to being awake in the daytime and sleeping at night because you're never going to find a job to let you stay up all night and sleep all day. And I'm like, ha ha, <laughs> right. you, I found one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, priceless. But yeah, having so said that. just kind of fit into that. Yeah. Let me let me say, though, one thing. It is there might be another reason there. Uh, when you were younger, um, did you how was your childhood may may i ask was there trauma oh, yeah. in your childhood well were there yes yeah so i was an only child hmm. and my family moved every two to maybe three years at the most my entire life from from one end of the country to the other and back again never stayed in one place for very long so i never hmm. really had a stable group of friends um, had no siblings and I, I really had no, um, no support. So I developed a very strong bond with our house pets and uh, my, you know, my cat or my yeah. dog with whatever we had at the time yeah. became my best friend. It was this, the whole circle of center of my existence. Yeah. And I think what, what sealed my decision to become a veterinarian when I was about seven years old my best friend in the whole world, my cat, uh, I realized that he was, there was something wrong with him. He was getting shaky. He wasn't eating. He was acting mm -hmm. kind of weak. He didn't want to hang out with me anymore. And I begged and begged and begged my parents, please take him to the vet. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And they're like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He'll be, he'll be okay tomorrow. And so three days of this went by. And finally, mm -hmm. when he was so weak that he couldn't stand up anymore, they finally took him to the vet mm -hmm. and it was too late. He died from a bladder obstruction oh. and it just destroyed me. I mean, my whole world. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that was my best friend. So at that, that, I think that was the moment that I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to preventing animal mm -hmm. suffering and 
sparing other people from the trauma of unnecessarily losing their best mm. friend. Mm, and beautiful. so that's, I, I never really considered another option um, <laughs> until I hit my midlife crisis and became a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair call. This is Griff Hindsight. I mean, I, I wanted to become a vet uh, initially, and it was then just later on that I realized, uh, actually, I like helping humans more than I like to help animals. Um, but uh, much of my uh, being an adrenaline junkie and being in being in the, in the ER, being in the in the oh, sort of the the really blood and gore of trauma medicine uh, as an anesthetist, um, was with hindsight actually my PTSD. Um, I certainly uh, wanted to be there instead of having been a victim and feeling helpless and hopeless, uh, I wanted to be there for others. I wanted to be the knight in shining armor. And of course, that also gave me, gave me the external validation. Hey, look what I've done. <laughs> the real man. So it was. Uh, there were a lot of gains I had from that. Um, mm -hmm. But like you, this is this this night shift and nocturnal and, and the, 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 the eternal pressure. The constant adrenaline, the constant, oh boy. I mean, no doubt that you burn out. And I was surprised to hear your, your thing. Normally it's about five years that I thought would be sort of the lifespan of an of a vet in that kind of setting. So things have gotten a bit more extreme there. <laughs> yeah, it's very hard on your personal life. I mean, working nights, weekends and holidays, you never see your loved ones, your friends mm. forget who you are. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me. I, yeah. I lost several close relationships. My family, I, they probably don't even recognize me anymore. And um, yeah, it, it's kind of a lonely existence, but I was a loner for my entire life anyway. So I think I just, I, I just kind of told myself a story that this is my life. This is what I'm good at. I'm not good at anything else. And exactly like you said, I like swooping in and saving people and saving animals. Mm. And uh, it became such an ingrained part of my identity that when I started realizing after 30, you know, uh, in the ER, 24 years, I couldn't keep my car on a straight line on the road anymore. And I realized I'm going to die. If I keep this up, the sleep deprivation, <laughs> the stress, uh, the bad eating habits, everything was taking its toll on me and I wasn't the superhero that had no weaknesses anymore. <laughs> um, it, it was it was a, a kind of a crisis when I realized that I, I couldn't do it anymore and I was going to have to kind of pass the torch to the younger generation. <laughs> so I, I had invested so much of my identity in being the superhero that can do it all and doesn't need to sleep and can work those, you know, 20, 24 hour shifts with no problem and still juggle eight cases at a time and, and be aware <laughs> of everything that's going on and be sharp and uh, on top exactly. of it. Uh, Nobody can do that forever. <laughs> but it was it was very difficult to admit to myself that it was time to find something oh, else. <laughs> I love it how you how you how you portray that because that's pretty much the reality <laughs> of it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um when I ended up in, in rehab, um, someone asked me, um, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Stefan Neff. I'm a, I'm a pain physician. I'm an anesthetist. Yeah, no, no, no. Who are you? Well, I just told you I'm a pain physician. I could only identify myself in that role. That was everything that it gave me. That was, it was, that was my whole existence. And then 
when that stopped, who was I? I was an empty shell. I was literally an empty shell. And putting it positively, it was also an empty canvas where I, con- where I was able to, mm-hmm. to recreate a new picture, to paint a complete new picture. Um, it was an empty canvas. Was that something similar that you have experienced? Absolutely. So I went through very much that same thing when I transitioned from emergency medicine to general practice, but also I have been, since I was 14 years old, a martial arts student. And Ooh. it is, it, it was and is such a huge part of my identity. Um, at one point, I was going to the dojo probably five nights a week to two and a half hours a night. And that's who I was. That's that's what I love to do. That was how I saw myself. That was what made me cool and interesting. Stop, and girls. Stop it, there. Stop there. Stop there. <laughs> Why? Well, first of all, which which martial arts? Um, I started in judo and then I transitioned to Japanese jujitsu. Nice. Okay. Um, yes. Japanese, not Brazilian. I like to Correct. see the difference there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. That the Japanese jujutsu is is very similar to what I started off with. Uh, the German jujutsu. Oh, similar. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, same same age age time. Now I started that because I was I was the victim of gang violence at age 13, oh. 14. Um, and my bruises had not yet healed when I started my martial arts journey. Now. Why did you start martial arts? I did not want to be a victim. I, Ah. at at 14 years of age, I was also, because we moved around so much, I was always getting beat up on. I was always Ah. the outsider. Um, There was always somebody picking on me. And being female and also knowing the statistics that one in four women will be assaulted at, at some point in their life, I swore a vow to myself that if there was absolutely anything in my power to do about it, I was not going to allow myself to be a victim. But it very quickly became a lifeline for my self-esteem because I had none. And I will tell you, the very first time I picked up a guy that was bigger and heavier than me and threw him on his ass, I was all about that. That was so cool and so much fun. And it just, it sucked me in from there. Um, (laughs) So when you asked if I had ever had any kind of um, like a a moment of crisis, I I tore my ACL back in Uh, 2008, I think it was. uh, And I had to be off the mat for a good six months while I was rehabbing my injury. And it was like this crushing weight of depression because it, it took me some soul searching to figure out why, but I realized I had defined my whole identity. Everything that I thought was good and cool and interesting and positive about myself was wrapped around me being the person that went to the dojo and I couldn't do it anymore. And so who was I? What good was I? And what right did I have to to breathe the air and and take up space in this world? (laughs) Oh, it blows my mind. Where have you been all my life? You are my twin. <laughs> you're my twin sister, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I wonder a... where you got off to. <laughs> no, this is this is you're exactly parallel. The same that you you say words that could have fallen out of my mouth without without hesitation. Um, so obviously we both um found external validation 
in right. uh, in the martial arts, we both found um, a certain solacem there. Um, that is, the Japanese jujitsu uh, certainly has got a more spiritual component to it. It's not just basically cleaning the mat with with your opponent. There are more things to it. Um, that is fun, though. <laughs> they are true. Touche, touche. I give you that. Um, but it is it is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So we have got. Uh, there's already a sort of a picture emerging here of you defining yourself e by external things b by a uh i wouldn't call it adrenaline junkie necessarily but there is certainly um you're you're defending yourself against a lot of things there um and by being constantly in control um you're right. defining yourself right now i i went through all that uh, at some stage, though, your body wants to relax. So what did you do to relax? What did you do to um, to actually finally put the survivor into the cupboard? Uh, what did Batman do or Batgirl do in this case uh, when she <laughs> hung up her costume? Well, she hasn't hung up her costume yet. Um, I did have to finally admit to myself that yet again, my body can't keep doing this forever. And I don't know how much you know about Japanese jujitsu, but it is full contact. Like I'm getting slammed into the ground 150 times a night. Exactly. Um, exactly. Picking somebody up that outweighs me by 50 pounds and slamming them into the ground. Um, and even though, thank God, my instructor, he actually built a spring loaded floor. It had like those gymnastic springs underneath mm. it. So it was a lot more forgiving, um, but, you know, being heavy for most of my life, uh, even with all of that springiness, mm. I, I just, I started feeling it's taking my body longer and longer to recover from this. My back hurts all the time. Mm. You know, I, I blew out my knee and that was, that was a whole other situation. Mm. Um, it was taking, it was getting to the point where it was taking me most of the week to recover from one class, just, you know, but I don't do anything halfway. I'm always 150% or nothing. <laughs> so uh taking it easy is not in my repertoire and so when i finally realized look my my body is going to fall apart like i tell i jokingly tell my friends that they keep asking me i show up to work i got all these giant bruises all over me <laughs> they're like do you have an abusive boyfriend like why are you doing this and i and i kind of jokingly would say well it's it's like a race to see how far i can get in rank before i have to buy a wheelchair mm -hmm. and I finally got to the point where like, okay, I really am going to have to buy a wheelchair if I keep this up. So exactly. I, I'm still going, but only one day a week. Uh, I have discovered Japanese taiko drumming and that is my new oh. obsession. <laughs> and it is so intense, but in a different way. Uh, but also it really appeals to, to that, that martial arts roots that I mm. have. Uh, I love things that are intense. I love things that are strenuous mm. and difficult, but mm. really, really cool. Mm. Um, and you don't get much cooler than drumming, uh, oh, yeah. especially drumming in that fashion. So I've been I've been training uh, as a taiko student for about six and a half years now. I've uh, been performing for about three. And wow. it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Okay, for those people out there who can't imagine that, imagine the most uncomfortable position you could possibly sit in, sort of a half reclined, can't make up your mind, sit up kind <laughs> of a thing. Um, now, I want you to hold that position for about five hours, maybe warm <laughs> up with about 
thousand sit-ups um yeah that's that's about taiko drumming so girl you can break probably break coconuts on your on your apps oh i hope about <laughs> all that that's that is the seated position is only one option then there's the odaiko which is that big giant over your head drum <laughs> and if you can imagine playing a 15 minute piece when you cannot lower your arms you have to keep them <laughs> over your head the whole time Bad. holding those big heavy drumsticks and mm. looking powerful and confident and strong the whole time uh it's not easy i you know when i started i couldn't even hold a soup can over my head for three minutes without grunting and sweating <laughs> <laughs> to shape because these are movements that we normally don't do but then right. again the drums are frequencies that go deep 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 and it is right. one of heart. those is it not oh Wow, I can see the the temptation yeah. there, and that is it. Really, it becomes such an intense um, moment with you controlling those frequencies, controlling those drums. Uh, I mm -hmm. can see where that where you live truly in the moment when you yes. actually do that. Wow, excellent! Absolutely. So, okay, come on. Which down are you? Uh, how far in your ranking did you go? Uh, for jujitsu? Yeah. I got all the way up to fifth degree black belt. Oh, wonderful. Fifth, uh, fifth yeah. down. Wow. Okay. Don't try that at home, kids. Um, that is, you get <laughs> slammed around by a few people. And then when it gets really boring one-to-one, -one, then they bring in a few other guys and then bring, bring in some weapons and just, you know, have good fun, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had wow. to do a five-man attack for my black belt test, for my, my first Don black belt test. And exactly. I actually got a standing ovation from all the students that were watching. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So don't mess this with this woman. That's all I want to say, okay? <laughs> but Natalie, here you are, um, a real kick-ass girl. Um, oh, and thanks. I could, no, you are, you are. But then suddenly something changed. Suddenly you came to this point where you actually said, you know what, um, enough is enough. What brought you to that moment? Was it really one moment or was it several moments? What was it that kind of, um, that it's time to move to to change? Because that's so hard for many of us. To yeah. I, you're talking about my career as a veterinarian. That's right. right. But I'm, st I'm still living in denial when it comes to the taiko and the martial arts. I'm still like 150 percent <laughs> in that. I'm only 20 years old, right? I can keep doing I, this forever. Oh, that's what I say normally. <laughs> that's yes. what I say. That's I'm fifty. Well, I'm fifty. Shown. <laughs> so noodle, noodle. <laughs> yeah, that's what I take. Say. Okay, I spell yeah, it out. Yeah, speak up. I'm 57. Uh, yet I'm 56. I, I, there you go. I'm yep. honestly, I walk into the to, the bathroom and I think sometimes, huh, who are you? Because I'm yeah. 21, honestly. And that is this, the, the problem with my martial arts. This problem with me trying to restart martial arts, thinking, should I restart maybe more the circus arts, maybe less less dodgy and less less injury? <laughs> you know, I've I've had done a lot of things, but you want to reinvent yourself in in a way that you that there's joy, that there's fun, that you're not burning out. But it's mm -hmm. it's hard when it comes to to a certain age group there. So I love it that you admit that no there is um there <laughs> you're still in denial um having said that as a life coach you're beginning more and more to realize that actually some of the belief systems that maybe we have harbored and that have suited us when we were 20 30 40 might no longer be as eh, suitable 
as mm-hmm. hmm. so how do you go about it in your own life and, and what do you tell yeah. tell other 56 year olds uh, that are coming yeah. into into your life where suddenly they have to realize bloody hell um, when their midlife crisis starts however much i hate this word when they realize that the seasons are changing Right, exactly. Uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, if I if I can't do these things that I defined myself before, who mm-hmm. am I? That that is usually the point when most people kind of hit that point where they they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. The kids have moved out, or the marriage has broken up, or mm-hmm. or there's been some major life change, and they've been defining themselves for so many decades as a mother, mm-hmm. a teacher, the person who went to work every day. And when those things change, it feels extremely disorienting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, relating it back to the martial arts, when I when I was off the mat after my injury, I realized how much I had made the martial arts about me being who I am. And it was something that I felt like I needed in order to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I couldn't go and practice anymore, I, I had to spend a lot of time thinking, what is it about me? that made me good at martial arts? What is it about me that made it so appealing to my personality, my, my dedication, my mm. love of a challenge, my, my mm. work ethic? Um, you know, these are, these are the things that are still with me, whether I'm training martial arts or taiko or not, or, or doing something else. I can bring those skills with me wherever I go. And so just gaining a deeper appreciation for why certain things appeal to me, why things speak to me, what mm-hmm. attracts me. Um, it makes it a lot clearer about where, where I can go next mm-hmm. and not feel like I'm, I, 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 I don't have to paint myself as a failure mm-hmm. when I stop doing one thing and move on to something else. Nicely said, nicely said. And that took me, a lot and it's still hard for me now it's still hard because i still want to define myself in one way and then um you get setbacks and setbacks and when you're actually used to fighting through setbacks fighting just giving that extra one percent giving that extra and breaking through and you're constantly did that your whole life and to suddenly admit actually enough is enough that is one of the hardest things you can possibly do isn't it Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, and relating it to veterinary medicine, Mm. how I prided myself for so many decades on being the one who didn't need any kind of rest. I didn't need a break. I could do 12 (laughs) things at once. I, you know, I I could do it all. And I I just didn't need to take care of myself. And I could be there for everyone else, even though they weren't there for me. So this I like I call this lovingly overgiver syndrome and <laughs> a lot of givers are attracted to the medical professions because oh, yeah. you know that's why we want to come and heal and serve yeah but it really takes a lot out of you if you don't draw any boundaries and i think a lot of my upbringing was to always put other people's needs in front of my own oh yeah and so i developed this narrative that i didn't deserve to have needs and I was less important than everybody else. So mm. when somebody calls me up to, you know, I haven't had a day off in 12 days, Natalie, can you take this extra shift for me? I, you know, I want to go to my kid's baseball game. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I would cancel my plans and I would drag myself in there and I would just deprive myself of rest. And 
I did that for 30 plus years and yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I, and I, I justified it by telling myself if I just work hard and do a great job and then every, you know, someone's going to notice and I'm going to be recognized and rewarded. My boss is going to, you know, give me a raise or a promotion or whatever that did not happen. You know, the, the people who kept taking, taking, <laughs> taking, they took <laughs> and then they left, <laughs> you know, and yep. I'm, I'm here, you know, 36 years later, like, okay, I've, I've ruined all of my personal relationships. I've destroyed my body. I've, I've destroyed my brain. And what, what do I have to show for all that? I missed out on so many moments that will never come again. Bucket list vacations, relationships that, that evaporated because I didn't prioritize them. Uh, my health, you know, all, all of those things. And yet, even today, I still feel guilty about saying no, because I have just been so brainwashed to to believe that other people's Ooh. needs are more important than mine. And at the at the tender age of 56, I'm, I, I still have to remind myself, I'm running out of some days to keep putting off what I want to do with my life to make um, before, uh, you know, making sure that everybody else is going to be okay without me. <laughs> well, have you figured out who you want to be when you grow up? I think I have finally. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think I think there is a privilege in getting to our age because there many others don't. Uh, you have yeah. seen it in animals. I see it constantly in humans where unfortunately lives are getting cut short or the, the, the cancer scare suddenly wipes out years and decades away from your from your potential lifespan. Um, unfortunately, our own behaviors change our lifespan and more importantly, our health span. Because it's one thing to live to 80 and the other thing is to live to 80 whilst you're crippled and, and in constant pain. Um, right. And unfortunately, we we don't pay attention to our bodies, even less so to our minds. And I think that's where you have come to a point where you're actually saying, you know what, stuff that I will change and I won't become a new person. And I think that is a privilege. That is a privilege of choice, of choice of intentional living. And that is what you're doing. That is where you are further down the path than many others and for that i congratulate you for that i uh, oh no it is and it's it's a wonderful a wonderful place to be yes there was maybe yeah. some bitterness Thank and i you. feel i hear some resentment a little bit there in some of your words um and i guess that's only normal that is yeah, i feel well i think it's looking back at all of the choices i probably would have made differently with the perspective that i have now would mm -hmm. i have still wasted 30 something years in uh, the black hole uh could have would, would have, I have made no no could have would have <laughs> should have no 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 you That's can't exactly it you can't change That's what the past. I tell myself now is all all of those miserable obstacles that I had to suffer and fight my way through have made me into the person who is now well equipped to help thank people. you 
Thank to navigate you. those same challenges. Exactly. Exactly right. And that's where really self-love comes in, warts and all. You can't just love the nice bits in you and disregard the, the scars and the maybe not so clever decisions in your past. Okay? So no, self-love means the whole thing, okay? Yes. <laughs> so, and that is still something that I'm not struggling with that I need to remind myself. Can I just uh, add something to that? Shoot, shoot. Most people's idea of self-love is dependent on what have I done well? Huh. What, what have I done to earn it? Who have I taken care of that mm. makes me now worthy? Uh, and that is not unconditional self-love. That is mm. conditional, which nice. is a distant second place. Nice. Like it. Like it a lot. No, but again, you needed to go through that journey just as much as people out there who are at the moment listening to us or watching us. That is, guys, welcome to 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 this moment in because you've you've come here because you realize that something is either amiss in your life or that you're that something needs to change that enough is enough of trauma or whatever it is it is that has led you to listen to our interview i congratulate you because you've taken action you have already come here um with the intention of actually expanding your horizon of widening your mind of 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 learning more and that is fantastic so therefore, yeah. you're ready. You're ready to to go out there and make changes. And I guess just Natalie and me, we are just a little bit further down the line in that path. But our path is meandering. Our path goes all over the show. The problem is you don't see what's around the corner. So it's 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 kind of there's constantly something in the way of you seeing, and the only thing you can do is actually live in the moment and make right now decisions that are likely to help you in the long run. Let's put it carefully like that. Sometimes that decision might include a very large piece of cheesecake, and that's absolutely <laughs> fine if that is right now the band aid or the 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 good feel factor that you need, and that's okay. And I want you to eat every single morsel with a grin on your face and say, "Ooh, that cheesecake is nice." Okay, so that's what it is right now. But <laughs> it's probably if you now repeat that three times a day um, for the next five years, it's probably not so helpful in the long run. Okay, so I guess that's that's <laughs> someone <laughs> that's Natalie where you come in, where you actually help others to actually see. Okay, so where are we right now with you? And well, is that really uh, so helpful? Your your patterns yes. of behavior, your patterns yes. of of uh, coping. Um, yeah, exactly. The the eating to soothe and change how how you're feeling emotionally. That is exactly the thing that I struggled with for mm. most of my life, and I I basically ate my way to about two hundred and forty pounds which was right before I blew my ACL, which was kind of the turning point for me. Oh. Uh, but what, what really helped me was finding more effective ways to manage my, my emotional state mm -hmm. that didn't have those consequences on the scale mm. and realizing that uh, 
I would say a good 80% of what I ate on a daily basis was not because I was hungry. It was because I was trying to make myself feel better. Nicely said, nicely said. Um, that was 2008, you said, when you when you blew your, uh, your ACL, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, did your journey start then? So that was your, your journey in with regards to the relationship to food that you had. Yes, when did yes. you, but uh, you still were going all nuts um, in your job. You were still thriving on the 24-7 preparedness kind of thing um, that is not helping with, with eating less. I mean, three o'clock in the morning, the very first thing, if I was called out of mid-sleep to head to the hospital or to go down to the ER for a trauma would be I would put some chocolate in because I needed that sugar rush bing okay right. I'm awake again um yep. so uh, you you don't go for a piece of broccoli I mean I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, not quite no, the same no yeah well exactly exactly right so you still continued a, a lifestyle though that at work that was counterproductive um, how would you, how, what would you recommend, what would you recommend to people who are in our, uh, profession, who are the nurses, the, uh, paramedics, the policemen, the soldiers, the, the, all those people who are on the front lines and doing an amazing job without whom our society would falter and crumble to the, to dust. Um, you know, how, what yes. can you do? Yes. There, it, it's really amazing how quickly you can create a, a new association. So there's an association between eating a piece of chocolate and feeling better. And we reinforce that every single time we indulge in that behavior, those uh, neurotransmitters that get released mm. in your brain, it mm. happens faster. It's, it's like an addiction. The more you feed it, the more it mm. grows. Mm. Creating a new way to achieve that same feeling of relief and, and calmness or whatever, whatever the emotional state is that you're trying to create. Mm -hmm. When I started my positive intelligence training, they teach us a, a, a specific type of a mental focus exercise. There's different ways you can do it, but essentially it is you are focusing on one single body sensation uh, to the exclusion of everything else. Mm -hmm. And most people, when they go through this program, they, they kind of settle on this, like rubbing two fingertips together, and you're paying such attention to that sensation that you can actually feel the fingertip ridges rubbing together. Now, there's this is only one of hundreds of different ways you can do this exercise, but it's just my fingers are always with me. You know, this is this is kind of what I just did without thinking about it. And thousands and thousands of times, just last week, something happened, and I instantly felt a negative reaction to it. Mm -hmm. um, and my my old habit would have been ruminating, spiraling, justifying all the reasons why it was wrong and why I have every reason to be upset about it and on and on and on festering for hours or sometimes days. This time, what happened was completely different. As soon as I recognized that I was having a negative reaction to what had just happened, I did this for 10 seconds instantly felt better. I felt this wave of calm and peace just sweep over me. And I realized like, this is now a reflex that I have created that is releasing those same brain chemicals that make me feel better, but aren't going to make me gain weight tomorrow. Uh -huh. So um, without even realizing I have done this uh, in different ways over the years, 
but it was just illustrated so clearly to me how effective it was because it worked immediately and only because I have been practicing so consistently and, and doing it so attentively. But by, by doing these exercises, you can literally shift your brain chemistry. You shift your brain activation mm. from stress and survival and fight or flight and, and tension. So you, you shift to a calmer, more centered place where you can actually feel more focused, more, more alert, more alive mm. uh, without needing any kind of chemical intervention. Beautiful. Beautiful. And there's so much power in our body and it is so, so such an amazing, amazing beast. Uh, I don't know how, how, to, how else to call this, this meat suit. Um, that yes. is, <laughs> it is a beautiful, beautiful thing that uh, is highly, highly developed, yet no one has given us the user manual. Um, and exactly. That is exactly. And that is why. I'm so happy you said that because I was trying, I've been struggling so hard to come up with a way of describing positive intelligence when yeah. people ask me what it is yeah. that doesn't take me 30 minutes to explain because there's so much to it. <laughs> it is so, I mean, there, there, I, I get tongue tied even just trying to think of a way to describe it. And it finally came to me the other day. It is the owner's manual for the human brain that you never got, but always wished you had. Absolutely. And that is the best way that I can think of to describe it because it literally explains everything about who I am, why I do the things I do, how I can be better, and mm. how I can cultivate the, the positive things about myself mm. that I want to define me instead of the negative things that were just coming from my, my survival reactions, my, my desire to mm. protect myself, to avoid things that were bad mm. or things that scared me. Um, I, you know, I, I spent most of my my. I would say most of my 50 years operating from a place of fear and avoidance, mm. um, trying to prevent the things that I didn't want, trying to run away from things that mm. were unpleasant or scary or hard. And it's, it's a completely different experience. It is literally an entirely new operating system for my brain. And I, it has transformed the way that I perceive myself, the people around me and everything that happens in the world. Beautifully said, beautifully said. How would you, say it has transformed you i mean give us an example where you are now the polar opposite to maybe oh. your past <laughs> yeah where to start isn't it where to start <laughs> uh the best example and and this is uh where i really realized the potential for positive intelligence to help people with stress management because if I had a really intensely stressful shift in the ER or, or mm. the, you know, whatever clinic I was working at, it would sometimes take me two or three days to recover emotionally to the point where I felt like, okay, I feel like I can go back without having a nervous breakdown. Oh, wow. Mm. And I've got that down to about 20 minutes. Cool. Wow. So it's, it's not that I never get stressed out anymore, but there's two days of of time that i no longer spend marinating in in frustration and resentment and 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 just festering yeah. injustice complaining to myself about how miserable it is you know it's 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 all about how much time you spend in a negative emotional mm. state compared to how much time you spend in a positive calm clear-headed emotional state i don't i, I 
I, I would never try to convince anybody that I never get stressed out or angry or hijacked <laughs> ever again. But it's so much better than it ever was before. And my my whole experience of everything in life is improved as a result. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But I guess uh, what I dare to say has happened with you, that if this is the level of actually superb bliss and, and a beautiful balance, and then this is stress and this is distress, I bet you that you are now circulating somewhere down here between more or less okay to stressed. Whilst many other people, and probably you 10 years ago, were going up here, going between stress and distress, stress and distress, stress and distress. We we never reset down um, to a level where we are more ourselves, where we are calmer and therefore are able to make better decisions that prevent us going too high because ultimately ultimately that's not where we are designed to live up there stress distress right that's actually not a nice place to be yet no, we, your body we is not intended to operate in that zone well exactly and here we are probably spending decades in it or having been decades in it um we have got however choices and that is the cool thing and you have taken the choice of actually reviewing your what is happening in your life and uh really uploading a new operating manual really um refiguring reconfiguring i guess the 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 buttons uh, i don't know how what is the, the best example there but i think it is it is so important that we understand that the past does not equal the future and sometimes you have to go through a lot of shit before you're actually ready before you're ready to to acknowledge that okay that was the past and that was then who do i want to be now i think right. that is the key question that we have got a privilege to ask ourselves so whatever pain you're going through there at the moment at the moment this is this has put you into the right frame of mind to now implement change and that is that is the most powerful and beautiful place to be you are ready to change otherwise you wouldn't have listened to to natalie and me and rabbiting on about about our own lives here um because hopefully you have seen that that both natalie and me have changed we have done actually light to uh, night to day kind of changes really in some aspects of our lives in some others i i'm so pleased to hear that you're still struggling uh, or maybe haven't made as much progress as you wished to. Um, same here. Um, you never get to the finish line. That's the oh, thing. Absolutely. And, and if you're focused on getting to the finish line, you're going to frustrate yourself. It, mm -hmm. it is every step of the journey that's the important part. Oh, exactly. And it sounds such a like a cliche, but it actually is. It actually mm -hmm. is. It is right now. I'm, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying sitting here. Um, despite the fact that my life is a bit upside down, topsy-turvy with a lot of challenges at the moment, yet this moment in time is beautiful because I can connect with you, Natalie, and I can listen to you and I can learn from you. And maybe just 
get that little nugget of insight where I think, oh, actually, and then apply our our communication to my life now. So I have grown already in the time that we spoke now. And that is power. That is a privilege. That is a, a really beautiful thing for which I'm grateful for. And I think the more oh, we can do you. that, absolutely, the more we can do that uh, on a daily life, the better it is. Now, you can, of course, try to come up with all those answers yourself. And maybe you, you can figure it out, guys, out there, you know. Or you could just actually surround yourself with people who maybe have done it once or twice. There is a nice saying, if you're constantly surrounding yourself with six millionaires, you will become a millionaire. If you are uh, surrounding yourself with six artists, it's virtually guaranteed you become an artist. Well, what was to happen if you surround yourself with people who have grown to a degree now that they want to give back in their in their life? Someone as Natalie, um, who is who is able to maybe share some of her insights with you and let you fast track uh, your your journey rather than you having to try to different different keys oh that feels good what's that oh alcohol no no that, that's not so good oh oh cocaine good good or maybe hey maybe there might be other things uh, that you didn't even think to press so maybe natalie might be able to help you there with regards to your operating system um natalie tell us more where if people love what what you said where can they find you um my website is nolimitscoachingnow.com and um, there's, I, I just made a brand new little stress quiz mm. that I'm very proud of. So uh, your your listeners can go to my website and take a hidden stress quiz, which is all about exactly what we've been talking about. All those little subconscious self-sabotaging behaviors that we do and don't even realize yeah. how we are creating so much of our own stress. Um, so my hope is that your listeners will go and check that out and hopefully that'll give them some insight as to what they can choose differently if they would like to create a different, uh, a different experience for themselves. Cool. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because Natalie's details are down there. Um, don't be stupid. Come on, check her out. Um, and what else? What else? You know, there's there are so many things that you could do, but uh, why not invest some moments of of your time into to see if there are certain things that. Uh, that you can learn and maybe figure out people who you really can align yourself with. Uh, as I said, a coach is a wonderful person who can assist you, who can be by your side and to just guide you on your path. It's still your path, but you can probably speed up on that path a little bit without uh, having to stumble over every single route on, on, on the way. So now I look down there into the description. Uh, Natalie, I mean, you and I, we are both constantly reinventing ourselves, not in a negative way, but we want to grow. We want to, we want to, to become better human beings. Who do you want to be in a year's time? Mm. Like two years time. You know, a lot of the work that we do in positive intelligence is picturing 
ourselves talking to the wiser elder version of ourselves. So I, I picture myself 20, 30 years from now, at, at, as we say, at the end of my life, looking back with uh -huh. the accumulation of all of the amazing experiences, all of the wisdom, mm -hmm. all of the fulfillment that has come from leading a, a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. If I could go and talk to that person, if I could ask her a question, what would she say? Nice. And that's it. It's it's one way just to kind of keep some perspective. You know, if you're dealing with a lot of stressful things and feeling like you're being pulled in a million different directions, if you are looking back at this moment 20 years from now, how number one, are you even going to remember the things that you're being stressed out about today? <laughs> number two, how would you wish that you had shown up in that moment? Would mm. you wish that you had been nicer to your loved ones? Would you Ooh, wish that you had been nice. more patient? Nice. Um, so nice. that's that that has been very meaningful for me. And also we we go the opposite direction. I look at the childhood version of myself. The, the little girl that was just full of, of excitement and adventure and curiosity. And, you know, before life tramples that out of us and, and uh, makes us into the zombified versions of the shell that we used to be, yep. you know, I don't have children, but if, what if, what if that little girl was sitting in front of me right now and she was my daughter who I love unconditionally more than anything on this earth would I treat her the way I'm treating myself? Would I feed her the way I'm feeding myself? Mm. Would I would I disregard her needs? Would I send her to her room and tell her to stay there until I'm done because I'm too busy? Wow. You know, I, I that's that's the analogy that has really kind of hit home for me. I have been sending myself to my room because I'm too busy to pay attention to what I need and what I want for my future. Wow, big words. Um, so, wow, so true. So, so, so true. If there's, if there's one message that I could offer to your listeners is please find empathy for yourself and be nicer to yourself. <laughs> wow, what beautiful words to end the show with. Um, that is 100% yes. Uh, you're an amazing woman, Natalie. Thank you so no, much you. for sharing your passion, sharing your empathy and and and, and sharing your transformation, which was uh, not without, without struggle, not without uh, pain. Uh, but here you are, a different, a, I dare to say, better version of yourself, uh, a, a, a version that has, that has, expanded that has that has improved uh and that's beautiful that's beautiful so thank, thank you, you so much, much for being a shining light in the darkness of others thank you for allowing me to shine on your show <laughs> it, has, it has been a pleasure to be here and an honor to meet you and to learn from you as well cool and you guys out there look after yourself bye bye i never give up i never give up I never give up, turn around.